everyone. Welcome to Third Spacing, the podcast, where we explore important issues on the peripheries of clinical medicine in Singapore. I'm your host, Manisha. In this episode, we speak to a third-year medical student from the Lee Kong Tian School of Medicine, Grace Chua, who also happens to be a national badminton player. We explore how her passion for badminton started and discuss the various challenges of balancing a professional sport with medical studies. As the very first individual to continue training professionally in badminton while attending university, Grace shares about opening up this possibility within the sport and offers some wonderful tips to those with multiple aspirations. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself? Hi, I'm Grace. I'm a third-year medical student in a Lee Kong Chien School of Medicine. Other than being a medical student, I'm also currently a national badminton player. I used to play badminton full-time previously before I started university. So I actually played professional badminton for about three and a half years before I started medical school. So right now, I don't train full-time like I did previously, but I still keep up with my trainings and I'm able to represent Singapore in various competitions. So how did your interest in badminton start? So I started playing badminton a long, long time ago. I started when I was around six. So my mom sent my brothers and I to a nearby community club just to play badminton for fun, to get us out of the house and exercise. I mean, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing and being with my friends. I also just took part in a competition for fun. And so from there, they invited me to join the junior squad. And that's when I started proper badminton training. That's how it began. And I've just continued to play over the years until now. In terms of forming identities, like, do you see yourself first as a national representative? Or do you see yourself more of a doctor? At this point of time, if someone asks me, I would say I'm a badminton player. I guess it's because of the length of time that I've been playing badminton compared to the length of time that I'm studying medicine. But hopefully, in a few more years, maybe my answer will change. I'm a medical student, or maybe I'm a doctor. <laughs> I think it's more of a time thing. Like I've just been playing badminton for more than 10 years. So that's like the first thing that comes to mind. It really is interesting because a lot of us, we have hobbies and we have passions, but we don't actually turn it into a full-time career. So how is it like training for to be a national player amidst the usual Singaporean things like keeping up with your academics? So all along, I've been balancing both school and sport throughout primary school, secondary school, JT. I mean, during those schooling years, there's really no break. Everything is one after another. But after JC, then I realized, I think it was a good time I could take a break before university. Because I thought about just taking like one year. And then after one year, I mean, I really enjoyed it. But I also felt like one year was too short in terms of playing professionally. I was just getting used to training twice a day, getting used to competing. And so I extended it and somehow it just became three and a half years. And at point of time, of course, some people will be like, why are you taking a gap year to go play badminton? Why are you not studying? But I felt like in the long run, when I look back, whether I, I'm working for 30 years or I'm working for 32 years, I don't think it really makes much of a difference. I see. So was there any point in time where you thought, okay, let's just really drop studying and just full-time badminton. Let's just be a professional player. Sometimes, yeah, it was a bit tempting. It would be quite fun to just keep playing. Mm -hmm. But of course, I know that as a sports person, 
there'll come a day that I have to retire and then like what will I do after that yeah. so I guess most people would go into coaching that's the journey for most athletes I wanted to do something more than that and so I wanted to do something that able to contribute and help people in their lives so I felt like okay I still need to go back to uni to study you didn't just choose another university course or something that can complement you in terms of badminton mm-hmm. you chose medicine so I just want to know a bit more about how your interest in medicine came about after I graduated from JC to be honest I didn't know what I wanted to study yeah I'm not those kind of medical students who are like oh, I've wanted to be a doctor since young. So for me, it was just along the way. And I I guess I met a lot of people and I had a lot of different experiences. I realized that I wanted to do something that was meaningful, that could help people. And then mostly I was thinking of healthcare because that is something that can really make a difference in someone's life. Actually, I applied for NUS Meds, mm-hmm. but I didn't get in. I got into NUS Dentistry. I actually had my place there help for a few years. Why I went to play badminton. I mean, I also felt that dentistry was something you could really help others in. But in my mind, I still wanted to study medicine. And I think I'll be able to form closer bonds with my patients. In terms of other causes, I did look into it because I was thinking if I wanted to continue playing badminton, maybe I should study something a little easier. But then when I thought about I could study something easier, but if that's not what I want to go into for the next 20, 30 years of my life, then I don't think I should be doing that either. At this juncture, did you reach out to anyone who has a similar path? Any role models that you asked advice from? In terms of people in the same path, I would say, actually in terms of badminton, we have no one who has actually gone to university. Usually when you're in the national team, it just means that you don't go to university. And then after that, you just train. And after that, when you retire, you become a coach. Okay, one person who really influenced me to join medicine would be a doctor I met. She's a sports doctor. She's just very inspiring in the way that she talks to us like as a patient. She also volunteers to help out in some of the youth overseas competitions. So it's all these little things that she does. And that really inspired me to actually want to be like her, to be also a sports doctor in the future. You talked about doing sports medicine in the future. Where does the interest in sports medicine in particular come from? Basically, it's because I play sports. <laughs> in terms of injuries, I've had my fair share of injuries. Even before I wanted to study medicine, I would just go and read out about my injuries. I want to know why we're feeling like that, why it's painful and all that. In a way, it sparked an interest for sports medicine for me to be able to understand the human body and how it reacts. When you started off in Lee Kong Chan, what were your initial thoughts? The whole path of medicine, did you feel that it was suited for you? Were there any second thoughts about it? I found it kind of hard at first because I wasn't studying for like three years really. Academically, it was hard. But honestly, I really enjoyed it, learning about the human body. In other aspects such as working with real people, we had simulated patients and just really enjoyed the whole process and knowing that slowly, step by step, we are being trained to become real doctors in the future. I don't think I would have wanted to have taken any other course. In medicine, right, the academic load is a lot. We have to read up a lot. We have to keep up lectures and tutorials. How do you find the time to train to be a national player? And also juggle medicine. The simple answer that most people would say is just time management. It's just like priorities. I mean, I don't have much of a social life. The most of the time is just either studying or training. 
happen along the way as I take public transport then I'll study just small pockets of time or like after training when I have to stretch then sometimes I'll just stretch it and use my iPad to read my notes yeah little things like that so besides medicine and badminton do you find any other areas in your life that you also prioritize yeah I also uh, help out in my church activities so we have young adults groups that Sometimes we organize activities and programs. One thing I always remind myself is to prioritize my family. I don't want to be also spending all my time in medicine, in, in badminton, and yet forgetting my family. So I do try to spend time with them, although I have to admit, not as much as I would like. Right now, I understand you're in M3, so yeah. you've just started clinical years. Mm-hmm. So the shift from M2 and M3 is insane. Mm-hmm. So how has the shift for you been? Well, it's really been quite a big jump. I mean, like in year two, everything you learn is textbook. And then when patients present with problems, it's just based on the textbook. They have all the symptoms in the textbook. But then in real life, you realize that things are just so different. Real life patients, they also have emotions which you need to deal with. And they also have family members. Mm-hmm. And so there are just so many aspects to a patient and their illness that is not so simple. That's what makes medicine very interesting. It's just very complex and I don't think anyone can ever understand the many different complexities of it. And it's all a learning process as you deal with one patient and you learn from this experience, then you help you build on it and it helps you as you interact with your next patient. Overall, I've really enjoyed my first half of the year in clinicals and just really getting to see real life medicine. Has there been anything that you learned in medicine that you applied back to your badminton training or even things you learned in your training that was helpful in, in your academic stuff? I'll say it's more of the character that the many years of training has really helped to build my resilience. I've learned that in medicine, we're going to fail many times. There's so many times doctors ask us questions and I don't know this, I don't know that. But it's not to get disheartened, but to use it as a stepping stone to remind yourself, okay, I need to work harder, I need to learn more. I mean, in badminton, I've lost many matches and it's easy to lose heart and to want to give up. But as a sports person, we have to keep working hard and, and keep finding ways to improve. Yeah, it's always very easy to give up because you know, there's so many things to know and you can't know everything. But still, we have to push through and keep studying to keep improving ourselves so that we can help our patients better. You've talked about how badminton has nurtured your character and you can see that being applied in medicine as well. Are there any other values or traits that you hold yourself accountable to in terms of both badminton and medicine besides resilience? I think another thing that's very important is responsibility. I guess in badminton, it's more about being responsible about your own lifestyle and how it contributes to the sport. I mean, a coach can see us at training, but things outside of training, it's up to your own responsibility to maintain a good diet, to sleep well and all that. I guess as a doctor, you have a very big responsibility because there are people's lives in your hands. Mm -hmm. And so we have to really take responsibility for that. We have to know our things well and to always think of all the different possibilities or risks that could happen to a patient. I think medicine, it's very important to have friends that you can rely on because it's a very collaborative learning environment. Do you have a group of friends that you can rely on in terms of building knowledge together with? 
Yeah, I do. I really like the LKC system in which we have houses from year one to year five. So we are grouped together. But at the same time, every year we have our more commonly known as like clinical group CG. Mm. Yeah, but for us, it's like a team of six. And so for the whole year, we're in that team. We practice things together, like we practice history taking or physical examination on each other. So I think that's very useful because medicine is really a collaborative thing. We really need to work together. If you work alone, really, you're not going to get anywhere. In terms of badminton, do you also hang out a lot with your team? Do you have a team of friends that you stick close with? And how important is that social circle for you? In terms of badminton, most of my closer friends are actually not playing already. They already moved on to university before me. So right now in the team, they're mostly younger players. I'm not as close to them because it's more of like a senior-junior kind of relationship. But in terms of my closer friends, we still keep in touch. Of course, everyone is in various places right now and some even in different countries. So it's harder to keep in touch, but I'm still glad that during special occasions, we still meet up. And I know that I can always count on them if I need help. Because we've been through so much together, all those trainings, competitions. That kind of bond is something that will stay for a long time. Once you got into medicine, did anyone tell you, hey, you know, you should just drop badminton and focus on medicine? Or, you know, you're already playing on the national team. Why go into a course like medicine? It's so taxing. Were there discouraging words people who tried to sway you into one? And what was your initial thoughts about that? I mean, definitely along the way, there were and all that. Because for badminton, they always said it's just not possible to start university as well as to still train and be in the national team. When I said I was going to start university, so they just told me, oh, it's not possible. <laughs> then I was like, at least let me try. The thing is that so many people before me, they just quit because the association says it's not possible. Then they just quit. I just tried to press on. Can you give any yeah. reasons actually why they're saying it's not possible? Uh, for badminton, we train twice a day. But if you study, then you can't train twice a day. But I was telling them that I think you can still train once a day and then maybe longer and better quality. So how do the hours work actually if it's once a day or twice a day? In full-time badminton, we were trained in the morning and the afternoon. So morning about three hours and then afternoon also about two to three hours. Now, because I don't train full-time, so I train mostly at nights, mm. so about three hours at night. Yeah, and then sometimes after that, then I'll add on a bit of uh, extra physical training. So far, it's been working out quite well. I mean, definitely training twice a day <laughs> would be more beneficial, but I don't think it's impossible to still train once a day and to still be able to compete. So it sounds like You've actually set this new possibility that, you know, hey, you know, you can go into a university course and you can even handle something like medicine and also train to be a player. How has this shifted the expectations within the community itself that you talked about? Are more people more reciprocative of students taking up university courses? Yeah, actually they are. Mm. And I guess that was one of the main aims I had. When I started out, I just wanted to show them that it's possible and to open up a pathway for more students. Now we have three of us training at night, so that's like a slight improvement already. <laughs> when I started out, it was only me, so now there's three. Hopefully in the future, I mean, I'm talking to some of my juniors, and they also see that 
since I'm able to balance both, so they also feel it's possible and they might want to pursue. I'm quite thankful that the committee has been more open to it. And I think also because we had a SEA Games in 2019, I was the third singles. So for the first two singles, they were both full-time players. Mm. And then that's when they realised that, oh, they didn't really have enough full-time players for your third singles needed me to play and I was not full-time. So I think when they realised the importance of not just relying on full-time players, but also having more players who even though they, we are studying, but we are still able to contribute. I think we are only looking at badminton here, but in terms of other sports domains, are there people who have a better shot at having a university course and at the same time training for sports? Or do they also have to follow this rule where they can't enter university, they have to focus full-time on the sport they're playing? Actually, most other sports, they're able to go to university as well as to continue in their sport. I always wonder why it's always badminton and I think table tennis as well. I think because we've always followed the China style, which is you have to train twice a day. But for other sports, I think swimming, diving, track and field, most of them train either early mornings and then a second session after their school. So they're able to both study and train at the same time. I think it's great that you have opened up this new possibility within badminton. I think academics is really emphasized in Singapore, just shutting off that possibility of furthering your education. I don't think it's the way forward, really. People like yourself, you have an interest and your passion lies in badminton and you also have a very strong vested interest in helping others. So I think we should all be given that opportunity to exercise all of our passions and interests. And it's shown that it's possible, so it's great. So was there any goals that were set for you in terms of badminton? Like, did they say, okay, you have to meet a certain criteria in terms of your next few trainings? How did they go about the process of saying, okay, fine, we'll let you do both? It didn't really set a goal for me, but I set a goal for myself, mm. which was to participate in the 2019 SEA Games. I also penned a letter and then I wrote it to our association president. And I explained a lot of things. I said how I've been in the sport for so many years, but everyone always just quits when they're pretty young because they want to go to university. But the association just doesn't support it. And then I had some meetings with them as well. And that's when they started to open up a bit and become more supportive. I also made a suggestion on how training could be if we train at night. Because before that, there was no system like that. And so they decided to give it a try. We tried out for about a year. Maybe it was because I was able to contribute a point to the team for our SEA Games. So I think that really opened their eyes a bit more and then from there it became a more official thing. I would say so far it's been about two and a half years so hopefully it continues to grow and be actually a, a real official thing where players are able to go to university and still train. If it does get to a point where you're not able to juggle both being a professional player and coping with medicine or even practicing as a doctor in the future. How would you go about tackling that situation? I'm not saying which one would you give up or anything, but what were the thoughts that will be going through your head? Because I'm sure at some point you would have thought about it. Yeah, I have thought about it before. If one day I really had to choose, my priority would still be medicine. I mean, it's really the responsibility of having people's lives in your hands. And that's something you can't just play around with. For badminton, I've achieved most of the things that I set out to do. 
for now, I'm always just with the view that anything else that comes along is a bonus. If one day I really have to stop because of full commitment, then that's fine because after all, this is going to be my career for the rest of my life. So is there anyone in your family who does medicine who's a doctor or anything? No one in my family is a doctor. When I was younger, then we have a family doctor and then he said that his reasons for becoming a doctor was because his parents wanted a doctor in the house. So he took it upon himself to be a doctor. Wow. My mom tried it with us, came home and she's like, oh, I also want a doctor in the house. And then all of us <laughs> like, I don't want to become a doctor because you're telling me to. So at that point of time, I didn't even think of medicine. It's only when she's like, okay, it's fine. You can study what you want. You don't have to study what I want you to. Then that's when I actually opened up to the possibility of studying medicine. How did your family or your parents, your siblings, how did they react when you said, okay, I actually want to do medicine? They were actually quite open to it. In a way, my parents, I think they wished that I could study medicine to be able to maybe also help them in the future. They're always just very open to whatever I wanted. Even if I said that I wanted to study something else, non-medicine, I'm sure they would agree because my parents are actually very supportive. Even in terms of choosing to take a few years off to play badminton full-time, they were also very open to that idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm very thankful for that as well. Are you afraid of regretting like the options or the paths that you've chosen so far? I mean, I'm always afraid that I would make decisions that I would regret later. That's why I always try not to make decisions that I regret. But of course, that's very easy to say. One thing I told myself was that even if you make a wrong decision, I still think that it's all part of God's plan for my life. And that even this so-called wrong decision, there are things to learn and there are still positives that I can draw out from it. I tell myself that even if things don't work out the way I want them to, it doesn't mean that it's something I should regret because God allowed it to happen. I'm sure there are things that I can take away from it. I still try to find the positives out of things. Are there things that you take from your religion as guiding principles in terms of how you tackle everything in life? As a Christian, I feel that whatever I do, it's for the glory of God and not to do things just to please men. So I think that is something that I've always tried to keep close to my heart, knowing that I'm not just training and not just studying hard so that my parents can be happy, but really that I know I'm doing my best for God. That is something that has kept me optimistic and positive all this while, even though sometimes things can get discouraging and people along the way also might not be supportive. But yeah, I'm thankful to have supportive parents as well as my strong faith that has helped to give me strength along this journey. You have your religion as an anchor to get you through doubtful times. And I think that's quite motivating. Is there anything that you'd like to pinpoint to, let's say someone who's listening in, you know, they've got a hobby, but at the same time they're thinking about pursuing an academic career. Is there anything that you'd like to share with them? One thing that really strikes out to me is the word passion. When you have a passion for something, you will really just walk out to do it no matter how tired you are and how circumstances might be. If someone has a passion for something, you should always just pursue it because for all the medical students or the doctors out there if they have something that they're really passionate about that they keep thinking about every day then just go and pursue it because some things when opportunity is gone it's gone 
So really try to cherish the moment and just do your best and have no regrets.